We're going to continue on in our series called Disciple. It's a study in the Gospel of Mark. And what we're exploring in this study is what it means to be a disciple. That word disciple is kind of a weird word. We don't commonly use it. And when we look at this uh, text, one of the things that we've discovered over the last few weeks is that disciple is kind of like a student and it's kind of like a follower, but it implies relationship. Jesus wants us not just to be his students. He wants us not just to be his followers. He invites us into relationship with him. And today, maybe you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out and you want to know more. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Or maybe you're here today, you've been following Jesus for decades. I'm glad you're here because this chapter in the Gospel of Mark has one of the most profound teachings of who Jesus is. And it may well be that just as we see Jesus showing himself to the disciples, it may be that he wants to reveal himself to you this day as well in a profound way. Now, uh, as a church family, we not only want to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, we want to equip you to live as a flourishing disciple of Jesus. And so we have some suggested next steps, things that we can do as a church family uh, to minister to you and to equip you. And I wanted to highlight a couple of these. You'll see this out in the lobby at Direct and Connect. Anytime that you want to know more about taking that next step, visit Direct and Connect, or you can use the ministry guide in the back of the seat in front of you. But I wanted to highlight two real quick. If you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is and how that impacts your life and how that relates to you, I want to encourage you to discover Jesus in a unique way. And tomorrow night in the lobby at six o'clock, we've got a group that meets uh, from people of all different uh, backgrounds and different uh, levels of relationship with Jesus. But if you've got questions about things you hear uh, today, if you have questions about things that you've heard about, about Christianity or about Jesus, or maybe you'd just like to know more about how that applies to you, I'd encourage you to join us in the lobby tomorrow night, six o'clock for our Discover Jesus. Jesus group. The second is baptism. Jesus calls us to turn from our sin, to believe in him. And one of the ways that we show that new relationship and that new life is through the act of baptism. And we've had some baptisms. We had some last week. We're having some uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. And if you'd like to be baptized or if you just want to know more about what it means to be baptized, visit Direct and Connect after the service or you can use the ministry guide in the back of the seat in front of you. And it'll give you more information on baptism. We would love the opportunity to talk with you and share with you about what baptism means and how you can be baptized. Now today we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, and this text, Jesus reveals himself to his disciples in a pretty profound way, but it's in the midst of a storm. In fact, this is probably one of the more infamous miracles of Jesus. It is the account of Jesus walking on water. Now now many of us say, well, miracles don't happen. Miracles don't happen. Miracles don't happen until they do. That's why they call them miracles. Now, I know that there are many of us here today who are like, we're going to hear about this Jesus walking on water, and that's absolutely absurd. That's actually, that's crazy. I mean, unless the water turned to jello or something, or they put all the cornstarch in there like you see on the YouTube videos, this, this this is outlandish. This is crazy. This is something that never happens. And I agree with you. It never happens until it happened. And I want to just, I want to I cue you up on this, that if you're trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, you, you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you uh, with this. The very foundation of our relationship with Jesus is Jesus dying and then rising from the grave. And people don't rise from the grave until they do. 
That's what binds us together. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just an excellent leader. He is the risen Savior. And so if he rises from the grave, he too can walk on water. And I want to show you something, too, over our study together. That Jesus is going to show us something through this miracle. It's more than just expedient travel. Jesus is going to reveal us to us something today. Now, there's uh, three things in this text that I would like to encourage you with, and, and we can maybe put it like this, that, that when the storm comes, when storms come, remember Jesus reigns. When storms come, remember Jesus reigns. The first piece of that is remember. When the storm, excuse me, when the storms come, remember Jesus reigns. When the storms come. Now, check this out. There are many in our society who say, if you want all your problems solved, if you want to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, turn to Jesus, and he will solve all your problems, and he will make all your pain go away, and he will give you a lot of money, and he will give you a lot of prosperity, and he will give you a lot of health. There are many who are proclaiming that in our culture and cultures around the world. And I want to encourage you uh, in this. That's crap. Uh, Jesus says, follow me. Oh, how does he start it? Oh, he says something like this. Uh, take up your, um, oh, take up your cross and follow me. And if you watch even the life of Jesus with his disciples, one of the things that you see is though Jesus will give life and life abundant, though Jesus will answer the deepest longings of our heart, though Jesus does satisfy our every desire, want, and need, he will oftentimes take us through storms. Notice, it's not if the storm comes, but what? When storms come, because they will come. And maybe you're here today, you're saying, I have never experienced a storm. Just wait, it's coming. Be encouraged. When storms come, remember, Jesus reigns. When the storms come. Now, I want you to see uh, something in the text. This is, this is intriguing to me. We'll take a look. This is uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Uh, immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead, of, uh, go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Now, this is something interesting. Mark only records in his Gospel only three times that Jesus prays. He records it in the opening of the Gospel of Mark. He records it in the closing of the Gospel of Mark, leading up to the crucifixion. And he records this moment here, that Jesus is going to pray. This is a pivotal moment. Jesus wants to reveal something to us in this pivotal moment. But it's going to take a storm in order to reveal it to us. You see here, immediately, he made his disciples. What does it say? How did disciples get in the boat? He made them. He didn't say, hey, how should we get there and let them decide? He says, you guys get in the boat and go. I'm going to be over here by myself. You guys see it? Jesus sends his disciples knowing full well what's coming down the pike. You with me so far? Jesus tells them, you go. You, my disciples, I want you, I'm going I'm to make you get in the boat and you're headed towards a storm. It may be that you're experiencing a storm now in your life. And I want you to see that it may well be that Jesus is allowing this storm to happen for some greater purpose than you or perhaps I could see. 
I know that within our church family, there are many storms. Over the last year, we've experienced within our church family suicide, the death of a child, cancer, blood-borne diseases, joblessness, the fracturing of family relationships, divorce. We have experienced storms as a church family, as individuals. When the storm comes, watch what happens next. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now I want you to see the scenario here. Take a look at this. He sees them in the middle of the sea. Where are they? Middle of the sea. And what's going on right now? They're straining, they're rowing, very, they're, they're, they're having a hard time against the wind. Now, I want to point something out here. Where are they again? Middle of the sea. Now, some of us have been on boats. Some of us have been uh, on stormy waters, and so you know that the sea can be a very dangerous place. In fact, for uh, people in this day, the sea was synonymous with the abyss. Uh, try this on for size. If, if you were to be on a boat and a storm came and you and some friends were there and the storm is, is, is hitting up against the boat and one of your friends falls down into the water, let me ask you this question. Will you likely ever see them again? No. It's the abyss. It's chaos. It's synonymous with death. The sea is a dangerous place to be. And here they are where? In the middle of the sea. And they're straining because the waves are crashing up against the boat. When storms come, not if, when storms come, remember Jesus reigns. Now that second piece, remember. Remember. Now, uh, if you've ever been to uh, a park on a Saturday morning, there's a park right up the street here on 40th and Bell. It's one of my favorite parks. It's got a skate park. It's got a pool. It's got biking paths and playgrounds. And if you listen closely on a Saturday morning, one of the things that you'll hear is a mom or a dad teaching their child how to skate or how to ride a bike or how to swim. And if you listen, this is what you'll hear. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here, buddy. I got you. I got you, little girl. I'm right here. They're running behind the bicycle after they took the training wheels off and they're holding the back of the seat and what are they yelling as they run behind their child? I'm right here, I got you. They're holding them while they swim in the deep end and what are they saying? I got you, I'm right here. Why are they saying it over and over and over again? Why are they saying it? Why didn't they just say it? They set them down and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in the deep end, I'm gonna be there, don't worry, that's it. And then they don't remind them why are they saying it over and over and over again? Because in the middle of the water, it's super easy to what? Forget. It's really easy to forget. In fact, when the storm comes, that storm can be so ominous that everything else begins to disappear. That pain point is so prominent in our vision, the only thing we can see is the storm. You know what's interesting about problems and pain and storms? Is when they're in front of us, they're enormous, right? But after we're brought through them and we look back, are they not smaller? 
In fact, when you look back on your life and remember the storms that you've been brought through, you see them in perspective. Hmm? But those storms that are in front of us, those storms that are upon us, they surround us. They become so big and so ominous. We begin to say, can I even, can I, am I going to make it out alive? Because in the middle of the storm, we forget. And so when storms come, remember Jesus reigns. Let's pick it up with the disciples. Very early in the morning, he came. This is Jesus. He came towards them walking on the sea, and he wanted to pass them by. Real quick, is that weird to you? Is it weird that he wants to pass them by? Help me out. Okay, it's weird to me too. We're going to come back to that, okay? You with me? So we're going to come back, I promise. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, which is, by the way, what you do when you see a ghost. You go, ah, because they all saw him and were terrified. So look at this. They thought he was what? A ghost. Now, they've been, let me ask you this. If you were to have like a, uh, if, you were, if you were to have a time machine, you were to go back to this time, and you were to rewind the tape about a day, and you walked up to them, and here's Jesus, and here's one of the disciples, and you said, hey, excuse me, disciple, who's this? Do you think they would be able to recognize him? Yeah, they would be like, that's Jesus. I can see with my eyes. I know who that person is. That's Jesus, right? They're familiar with him. Now, play the tape. Here you are. They see him, and what do they think? The storm is so big in their minds. Notice I said in their minds. The storm is so big in their minds that it's clouding their vision. It's distorting even this person that they know. They can't even tell who it is. So they think he's a ghost. Let's go, let's go on. Immediately he spoke with them and said, have courage, it is I. Don't be, what's the word? Don't be afraid. What is their state? They're afraid. Hmm. Then he got into the boat with them. Where is he now? He got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Did that sound weird to anybody else? In fact, take a look at this. They had not what? Understood about the loaves. Why are we talking about bread? Why are we talking about bread? That's a great question. Here's why we're talking about bread. Immediately before they got on the boat, remember how I said Jesus forced them, you guys go get on the boat? Immediately before that moment, Jesus was with a multitude of people. It's a miracle some people call the feeding of the 5,000, although we know there were many more than 5,000 there. And they were hungry, and Jesus had compassion on the crowd, and he took some bread and fish, and it fed everybody. Another miracle. It's the miracle, some would call, of the loaves. Jesus did something miraculous to take care of people's needs. But what did these people forget? They forgot about the loaves. It was yesterday this miracle. Here's something else to consider too. Remember we're out in the middle of the sea? This is not the first time we've been at sea. In fact, if you were here a couple weeks ago when Pastor Matt taught, one of the things that you saw was that there was a similar moment like this where Jesus was not walking on water, but where he was asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. And the disciples were afraid. And the disciples were fearing for, this life, for their lives. And one of the things that we notice is that that storm was really bad. That storm was terrifying. 
That storm was life-threatening in a very real and profound way. And they go to Jesus, and if you remember, Jesus gets up and he says, peace, be still, and the wind and the wave obey him. And then the disciples ask a question. They say, who is this who even the wind and waves obey him? I want you to remember that. That's the last time we were on a boat or in a storm. Now, Jesus calmed the storm, did he not? And here we are again, in a lesser storm, as it turns out. In fact, the way that this storm is, is described, it simply says that they were struggling against the water. But remember that it's the storms that we're in the middle of that seem so big. And when we look back, they seem small. And so here is Jesus with his disciples. He gets into the boat with them, but he recognizes that their hearts were hardened. When? Storms come, remember, Jesus reigns. When storms come, remember, Jesus reigns. Now, the third part, Jesus reigns. What are we to remember? Are we to remember Jesus' good teaching in the middle of the storms? Are we to remember the things that God has done for us in the middle of the storms? Are we to remember uh, uh, the ways that we've seen him in others' lives when we're in the middle of storms? Yes, and more. Remember, we started this by saying that there is this miracle, Jesus walking on water, but it's more than just expedient travel. Jesus wanted to reveal something to us. Hmm? Jesus here, in this moment with his disciples, is going to reveal something to them because being a disciple is more than being a student. It's more than being a follower. It implies a relationship. Jesus calls us to be his disciples, to enter into a relationship with him. Jesus wants us to know him. And at this moment, he is going to invite his disciples in to know him in a deeper, more profound way. And it may be that he wants to invite you in to know him in a more profound way as well. Watch this. We'll go back to the text. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and he wanted to what? Pass them by. You guys said that was weird. Personally, I think it's fine, but I mean, you guys got the problem, so we'll, we'll figure this out together. Now, I think it's totally weird, right? It's like we're out there struggling in the storm, and Jesus is like, <whistles> and you're like, hey, bro, brosive, like, help us out. It seems weird, but there's something in the language. There's something in the language. Now, in order to uh, unpack this text, we're going to have to do a little Old Testament reading. We're going to have to do a little historical study. I hope you'll join me in this. We're going to actually go to a book called Exodus. It recounts, uh, in a big way, it recounts the uh, account of Moses. Some of you may know him as Charlton Heston. Uh, <laughs> Moses. And, and Moses is called to lead the people of God out of captivity. And in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, God has, is in the process of calling Moses into this great new storm. And this is what it says. Moses approaches this bush that's burning. It doesn't seem to be consumed. And as he approaches this bush that appears to be burning, God speaks to him and says, go. And this is what Moses responds. Exodus 3, 13 through 14. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then later in the book of Exodus, after Moses leads the people successfully out of captivity, they are now wandering around in the desert, and these people are griping and complaining and to some degree rebelling against me. And Moses is in the midst of a new storm, a storm of leadership with rebellious people. And in Exodus 33, he is with God on a mountain. And he says, God, where are you? And God says, I'm gonna reveal myself to you. We'll pick it up. This is Exodus 33, 19 through 22. And he said, this is God speaking, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim the name, the Lord, before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face. For humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory, when I pass by, I will put you in a crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed you by. This pivotal moment in Moses' life is when God says to him, I the all-powerful, almighty, king and creator of the universe, I will reveal myself to you, Moses, but you cannot see me in my full glory, for if you see me in my full glory, you will perish in your current state. And so what I'm gonna do, Moses, is I am going to, in order to reveal who I am to you, I am going to pass you, what? By. Now that's interesting, because I've heard that language somewhere else before real recently. In the Gospel of Mark, Chapter six, in fact, it's the account of Jesus walking on water. And there's this really weird spot where it says that Jesus wanted to what? Pass them by. If you were to translate out of the Hebrew in the Old Testament, the Greek in the New, it translates the same. He wants to pass them by. Moreover, what is the way that he, is he flying? This is interesting. Is he, is, he, is he swimming quickly? What mode is he? Yeah, he's walking. Now, this is interesting. What's he walking on? Now, this is fascinating. In the book of Genesis, which is just before the book of Exodus, it says that the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. There's this other uh, place in the book of Job where uh, in Job 9, 8, speaking of God, it says, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Why did Jesus choose to walk on water in front of his disciples in the midst of this storm? Why did he intend to pass them by? Because they had not understood about the loaves and they still couldn't see who Jesus is. There's something more. Immediately he spoke with them and said, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now that's interesting, it is I. Another way to translate that, maybe, maybe a better way to translate that would be, have courage, I am. You see, when Moses went before the burning bush, he said, what's your name? And God responds, my name is what? I am. And then look at the next text. Then he got into the boat with them. 
This is so profound. This will change your life. He got in the boat with them. This is the gospel. That the God of the universe created us in his image for relationship with him. But because of our rebellious hearts, because each of us have turned to our own way, we've rebelled against God. We've made ourselves God on the throne of our own hearts. Because of that rebellion, it broke the relationship between us and our creator. And God had multiple options on what to do next because he desired a relationship. He desires to be known. He could have killed everybody and hit the reset button. Or he could have taken on flesh, become one of us, and die at the hands of his own creation, mending the relationship, making a means of reconciliation between the creator and his creation. You see, Jesus is God in the flesh, the I am come The one who walks on water is the one who hovers over the water. Jesus is more than just a good teacher. He's more than just a strong leader. Jesus is God in the flesh. And he wants you to be in relationship with him. And in order to make that happen, he got into the boat of humanity. Now, What does this have to do with your storm now? Because in the midst of the storm, it's huge. And in the midst of the storm, we forget. And so when storms come, remember, Jesus reigns even right now. How? Do we remember? How do I know that he's going to bring me through this storm? Jesus got into the boat of humanity and died at the hands of his own creation, but Jesus did not stay dead. Easter is not simply religious tradition, Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. You say, but people don't rise from the dead. They don't until they do. Jesus, God in the flesh, conquered over Satan's sin and death in his death, burial, and mighty resurrection. That's what binds us together, and that's what gives us hope in the midst of the storm. Friends, Jesus wants to reveal something to you this day. He is God in the flesh. He is the way that we find reconciliation with our creator, life and life abundant. And in the midst of your storm, do not turn to him simply because he brings peace. Do not turn to him simply because he gives good teaching. Do not turn to him simply because he's a strong leader. Turn to him because he's the one who claims dominion, rule, and reign over every atom and molecule in that storm. One theologian says it like this, there is not one square inch that exists in this cosmos that Jesus does not say, that's mine. And this same Jesus will bring you through the storm. And so when storms come, remember Jesus reigns. Let him be your vision in the midst of the storm.